All right, so we are wrapping up um, this Pioneer series we're doing, but we are going to continue with Pioneer this summer because that's our theme for this summer because we want to pioneer into the summer. Our whole goal is we want to take new ground. We don't want to hold back because a lot of times in the summer when, when the summer hits, people back off. People quit going to church. A lot of the, I remember when I was your age, I would get so busy and just... You know, because during the school year, you you remember what day it is because you're going to school. I would get so, like, with nothing to do, so bored, like, I would forget day, what day of the week it is. But this summer, we're going to pioneer. We're going to push forward. We're going to take new ground. We're going to continue to tread on. And so that's our challenge uh, this summer as we pioneer into this summer. So um, this message tonight is, is basically, it's just called Banner. I usually don't, like, put a big title to my messages, but it's called Banner. And a banner, what a banner is and what it does, a banner speaks to your victory. It speaks to the victory. Now, here's the deal. If you've ever been to, how many of you guys have been to a Royals game? You've been like in the stadium actually to a game. You would see that they only have one championship banner from 1985. World Series champions, 19. We were, the, we were close last year. They only have one championship banner. Looks like this: Royals World Champions Series champions, nineteen eighty-five. If you guys have ever been to a Chiefs game, anybody ever been to a Chiefs game? Anybody have just you've ever been just in the stadium? You would probably see a banner like this because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl one time in nineteen sixty-nine. Um, it was a few years ago, um, but either way, most of you guys in this room, in your lifetime. There has never been a world championship in this city for your team. Teams. We don't even count soccer. Who likes soccer anyways? Come on. I'm just kidding. It's good. But, I mean, talking about, like, the Royals and the Chiefs, uh, there's, there hasn't been a world championship in your time. Now, where I come from, where college football is king, my team, the Oklahoma Sooners, have seven national championships. How many does Missouri have? That's right, zero. Did you guys know, I, I found this out not long ago. Back in the 1940s, Oklahoma and Missouri used to have a big rivalry together. And they, what they would do, it was called the Peace Pipe Trophy. And these guys from each school at halftime of the game would meet at center field or in one of the end zones or something like that. And from each from Missouri and from Oklahoma and smoke a peace pipe together during the game. And that's, that's, um, anyways. Um, but here, two of these national championships have been in my lifetime. And, and, um, but the Royals are the number one team in baseball still, even though after the destruction of falling apart of going to New York, um, even just today, it's, it was just bad. Um, but here's the deal. Listen, a banner is a sign of victory. You, a banner is a sign of victory. Like we see people hanging these banners and, and these signs to prove that victory happened for their team. To prove that victory is happening. Growing up, I hung out with um, I hung out with my brother, who's two years older than than I am. We lived out in the country, so like he was my friend. You know, like I had other friends, but like we were we were together a lot. And then we had these two guys that lived out in the country about a mile from us, and um, 
they, they were our friends. And one guy was my brother's age. The other guy was a year older than him. So I was by far the youngest there. And like these guys, like we like to hang out with these guys. They were a lot of fun. They were crazy. And um, these guys were brothers. But these guys were like, they were like men. Like, like puberty came early for these guys. Like um, they had like mustaches and girlfriends and they drove Porsches and stuff like these guys were like tough guys. I mean, we hung out with these guys and, and these guys were the most competitive guys I've ever met in your life. You guys know someone who's really competitive. These guys were probably more competitive than that. Like they were the most competitive guys. It didn't matter what we were doing. It was a competition. Like, it could have been football or basketball or we would have fireworks wars. Like, you guys ever do that? Like, you shoot Roman candles at each other? Whatever you do, don't hold it. Like, like hold it out to the side. Don't hold it like this because I did this one time and it backfired and burned a whole hole. Like, anyways, I'm mentally scarred from it for life. So, um, Everything we did was a competition. Like we could see who would run the fastest, who would throw the furthest, who would punch the hardest, like who could swim underwater the furthest. It didn't matter what it was. It was a competition. These guys would, and and here's the deal. Every competition that we had together, these guys would make up trophies, some kind of trophy, or they would make up banners. They they got in really huge trouble but like a few times, but they would cut up one of their mom's bed sheets. Did you guys see what those banners looked like while they go? In the shape of one of those banners and write national championship, like tic-tac-toe. You know what I'm saying? Like we would have these banners that we would make up for the winners of these games, and it didn't matter. Um, for every game, big game that we played, there was always a trophy. They always wanted to win something. And so we would play like full contact football in their front yard. And we would always, every Sunday afternoon we were doing this, we'd end up cut up and bloody and bruised up. And well, one Sunday afternoon, we decided that we're going to have, there were only four of us. So we decided that we're going to have a one-on-one Nerf basketball tournament. Uh, you guys know what Nerf basketball is, right? You hang the hoop up above your door or in your door frame or wherever, and you have the little spongy, squishy Nerf ball. Well, that was it. We were having a one-on-one Nerf basketball tournament. And like I said, these guys were competitive. And before like before we started, we were going over the rules, and these guys were like standing there like popping their pecs, you know, and like like trying to intimidate you guys, trying to intimidate and like combing their mustaches and stuff. And... Uh, so we were going over the rules, and obviously in Nerf basketball, there's there's not going to be dribbling because it's, it's a sponge ball. There's not going to be dribbling. So basically what it was, it was a pushing and shoving match to either get close enough to the hoop to dunk it or you're going to sh- try to shoot from a long ways away into a tiny hoop and just pray that it went in. So me, being the shortest and the smallest, um, pushing and shoving and throwing a ball up and hoping it goes in. That was my game plan. Like, obviously, that was everybody's game plan. But, like, that's all I had. That's all I could do. So um, I was wait like, I would be down there, and the guy would be, like, standing over me like this. And I was like, this even fair, you know? Hook shot. So, anyways, um, so long story short. We had this tournament going on, and we were playing and playing Nerf basketball and slamming each other. It was like hockey, too, like checking each other into the walls and stuff. And somehow, I don't know how I did it, somehow I ended up shooting lights out. 
with a Nerf ball. I mean, like, this was huge for me, people. And I was, like, shooting lights out. And it was like I could not miss with the Nerf ball. And I was like Steph Curry before there was even a Steph Curry. And, like, I, I somehow, somehow I won the first game, which was against one of the brothers, the younger brother who was still two years older than me. And then I got to the second game, which was against my brother. And somehow, you know how good it is to beat your brother at something or to beat your siblings at something, especially ones that are older than you? No, you don't know what that's like. But you know what it's like to beat your siblings, the ones that are older than you, and you're like, and somehow, I don't know how I did it. I beat my brother at Nerf basketball. Like, I was like, yeah! And so I get to the championship game, and it's me and the kid that's like, four years older than I am. And I'm like, I'm going to get destroyed. I was like in third grade and he was like a freshman. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I'm going to get destroyed. And so somehow, I don't know how it happened. Well, I, I don't, hopefully, I like to think that they weren't taking it easy on me because I like to think that I really got this championship. But somehow I ended up winning this Nerf basketball tournament and I won and I had never beat these guys at, like, big things like this. Every now and then, the little small guy gets a win. But this time, I won it all. And I was, like, fist pumping and, like, yeah, screaming and running around the room. So um, I had never won. So I, I, what they, they did was, like I said, they made up this banner that was cut out of a bed sheep. And it was written in black permanent marker like national champion nerf basketball 19 whatever year it was and then like i was like yeah and i had this i had this banner and i was running around i i put it on like a cape and i rode around the yard with my bike on it and i was just celebrating carrying this flag just kind of waving this banner around and i would like i would like lay it on the yard and have a picnic on it and like hmm tastes like victory you know and and so Here's the deal. Nobody could deny my victory. Nobody could deny my victory there. No matter what anybody said to to disbelieve what had happened, nobody could deny my victory. I had proof because I had the victory banner. I had the victory banner, and and I let everyone know about it. I let everyone. Hey, Dad. Dad, hey, let me tell you what I did. I was telling my dad about it. I was telling other, calling up my friends on the phone. You'll never guess. I beat Adam and Aaron and my brother all at Nerf basketball. What? Okay, that didn't really happen because they just laughed at me. But anyways, so here's what happens. The next Sunday rolls around, and it's time for the games, whatever game we were wanting to play. And um, these guys, like I said, they're so competitive. They hated being beat by the little guy. So what do we choose to play again that Sunday? Nerf basketball. They want their banner back. And I'm like, it's, it's my banner. I won this. And I couldn't believe, they couldn't believe that they got beat by the small kid. So here's what I did. I did the right thing. I did the right thing. And I chose not to end the tournament this week because I wanted to keep the banner. And so I continued to just let my freak flag fly. And I held on to that banner for another week. I want to tell you guys, we have camp next week. Those of you guys that are going, those of you guys that aren't going, we have camp next week, and we have missions trips coming up, and we have other things going on this sem- summer. And here's the deal. Some of you guys in this room, you just need a win. You just need a victory in your life. Things aren't going good. Things are messed up. Whatever it is, you just need a win. You just need a victory. And, and you're like, 
you're like Nacho Libre and you're like, I don't want to get paid to lose. I want to win, you know? And so some of you, your record is like, it's like two and 20, like two wins, 20 losses. And like you're it, the, the, the life, the victories of life, whether it's, it's a relationship, a friendship, maybe it's a struggle with your parents, or maybe it's something that you're addicted to and, and that you're trying to get out of. And as you look back and, and find a shred of hope, you don't find a banner of victory there. And that gives you all the more reason to doubt. And you doubt that you will ever be anybody that will amount to anything. You have these doubts, and you see that was me when I was your age. That was me when I was the age of a lot of you guys. I didn't have banners of victory. I was the kid who was always too quiet, too shy, too small, not not tall enough, um, not any self-confidence. Like when you go through pain and you go through a struggle, you begin to identify yourself by that pain and by the things that people say about you. Have you ever been around those people that all they do is complain? You guys know what I'm talking about. You've been around those people. All they do is complain. You're like, you're like, what's wrong with you? And like, I got a bad grade on my test. Or like, like, how are you doing today? Uh, my my girlfriend broke up with me and she didn't even my girlfriend yet. You know, like the, everything is bad. Everything is, there's no good news ever in their life. It's like your, your friend is bad luck, Brian or, or Debbie Downer, you know? And so these people, they've learned to identify themselves by their pains from their past, not by their victories. You need to understand that when Jesus comes in your life, he doesn't come in to identify you by your pain and by your past, by your struggles, by your addictions, by your shortcomings, the places where you're mediocre. He comes in so you can have victory. Jesus comes in so we can have victory. He comes that we can have life and a full life. If, if, if I live in that eternal life of Christ, but I, I wake up Every single day defeated, I, I don't do justice to the freedom and to the victory that Christ gave me. So tonight I want to talk about how important that, that banner is to plant in your life, that victory banner is to plant in your life. And so if you got your Bible, if you want to follow along with me in 1 Samuel tonight, um, we're talking about the Israelites and um, what, what's going on here is they've got their backs against the wall. And so for 20 years, they weren't serving God for 20 years. And they kept looking into their past, their past of sin. And they always had loss. And in fact, the Philistines, you guys have heard of them, right? The Philistines, they would come in and they would t- attack and destroy the Israelites over and over and over. And they would come in over and over and over. And it got so bad that the Israelites, they began to even move out of their houses and live in caves and live in holes in the ground so they could hide. And so here's where we're at. We're in, um, so what happens, the, the Israelites finally get tired of it, and the Bible says this um, in, in 1 Samuel, uh, verse 2, it says, The ark, which was the presence of God, it remained, uh, sorry, 1 Samuel 7, verse 2. Um, the Bible says, The ark which was the presence of God, remained with the Philistines 20 years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. 
Remember, they weren't living for the Lord, so they've turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you're returning to the Lord with all of your hearts, basically he's saying, if you are serious about this, if you're going to turn to him with everything you have, then he goes on to say, then rid yourselves of your idols, the things you worship instead of God, and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their idols and served the Lord only. Verse 6, and on that day they fasted. And, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. And when the Philistines heard that Israel had um, assembled in Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines, they came up to attack them. They were getting ready. They were preparing to attack the Israelites. And when the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. It was the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, they said this, they said, Don't stop crying out to the Lord, our God is for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And then Samuel, he made a sacrifice to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was sacrificing a burnt offering, the Philistines, they drew near to engage Israel in battle. And here's the deal. Scholars believe that all of Israel was there, like everyone, all of Israel was there worshiping the Lord. And as they were worshiping, the Philistines show up. And instead of being afraid, they chose to keep their eyes on God. They chose to continue to worship God. You ever, you've ever been worshiping and you see something going on out of the corner of your eye and you're just like, that's just a total distraction and I can't worship. No, these, the Israelites were worshiping their God and they saw the Philistines coming. And what did they do? They continued to worship even more. They didn't care that the Philistines were, in there, were there. Then it goes on to say, but that day the Lord thundered with a loud Oklahoma City thunder against the Philistines. And he threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mizpah and pursued. They chased the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. The cool thing about this story is, is that last line. It says, Thus far the Lord has helped us. In a country that all they had was a losing record, for the first time they had a victory. For the first time they had a win. They had a win. And, and many people had never seen a victory. Many of the people there, their people had never seen a victory. And Sam, Samuel said, I'm going to push up this rock. And in different versions of the Bible, it's also called a banner. A monument, a testament that God got victory on that day. So every time someone walks by it and doubts God can do something great, they still see that rock and they'll say, that's right. He already did it and he can do it again. In our lives, we need that. We need that in our lives. If you're not setting up those banners in your life as proof to yourself that God has shown up and he's done great things in your life, then all you do is believe the lies of the enemy that rather than the truth of our Lord. The first banner that you have to set up, and I'm going to talk about four banners tonight. The first banner that you have to set up in your life is the banner of salvation. 
It's the banner of salvation. The time where you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you got saved. Um, Maybe there's someone in this room tonight that you have yet to plant this banner of salvation in your life. You know this. Know this. If you plant this banner in your life, you better believe that some things in your life need to change. If you plant this banner of salvation, you better believe that some things need to change. You need to begin to be the person that God has created you to be. You have to plant this banner. And you have to leave it standing. But sometimes we let our banner fall. And we miss out on God's promises. There have been many times in my life that I've struggled. There's been many times that I've planted that flag and I've messed up. And I've made mistakes and I've sinned. And, and, and I'll be completely honest with you guys. Um, when I was your age, I probably got saved like every other week and twice on Sundays. Uh, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you, you feel like you need to get saved like all the time. But the thing is that it gets wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. But it gets wrong when we stop coming back to God. I never want to doubt again that Jesus Christ has helped me. That way, when I feel like I've failed or I've messed up, I can look back at my banner and I can remember that Jesus has got my back. I don't need to doubt. I don't need to worry. I'm secure in who I am because I've got Jesus and his promises. Oh, his promises are great. And they tell me that I can do all things through Christ because he gives me the strength. And you you may need to plant that flag of salvation in your life tonight. Maybe you need to replant that flag of salvation in your life tonight. I want to encourage you guys, don't go to camp without uh, or, or experience God this summer and not let your heart be changed and not let your life be changed. Don't go to camp and have a great God experience and not allow it to change you. Don't go to Iceland. Don't go to these other mission trips and not allow God to change you on these trips. The second manner you need to plant tonight is your calling. It's your calling, that thing that God has created you to do with your life, your purpose, your plan. I love in Psalm 139 where it says, God wrote down every one of your days before it even came to be. He knew it. He's got a plan for you. But it's your choice to live your life according to his will or according to your will. So many times we're wanting to rewrite our own story and, and don't go after God, God's calling. But here's the cruel thing. And we all know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that word plan, it literally means thoughts. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. So let me tell you something about how, how God created when he when he created things, when God created the stars, he thought about it. He said it, and it happened. When God created the planets, he thought about it, he said it, and it happened. When God created the galaxies, he thought about it, he said it, and then it happened. When God created the oceans and all the life in them, he thought about it, he said it, and it happened. When God created the earth, he thought about it, he said it, and it happened. And when he thought about you, he said, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you. I've got plans for you. I've got great plans for you. And he takes all of that power that he uses to create and he leverages it in your favor. He leverages it for you. And he created a purpose for every single one of you guys. 
You just have to believe this calling banner is yours to plant. Believe me, I've, being a youth pastor, I can tell you guys, being honest, I've doubted my calling. I've doubted that this is what God's called me to do, but I can look back on the banners of my life and I can see that I'm saved. I can see that I have a calling. And I can see that I have victories and I can see that I have a future. And every time the enemy tries to remind me of the crap of my past, I don't have to let that get me down because I know that God has a calling and he has a plan and a future for me. I have a family member who called me this week, uh, someone who's in ministry. And they were struggling with the fact that they had a very messed up past. They've, they've lived really rough in their life, and, and they've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mess-ups, and, and a lot of things that they're afraid are eventually going to catch up to them. They did a lot of really bad things, and, and I had to remind them, you need to realize this. You're saved. That's not who you are anymore. That's not, your, your past is your past, and God holds your future. You don't have to live on that. Maybe, maybe that same thing is, is what some of you guys maybe need to remind it of tonight. That if you're, you've given your life to Christ, that your past is your past. Let it be your past because your past is what? It's behind you. Let it be. Let it stay behind you. Don't let it catch up to you. Don't let it go to your future. You keep your past behind you because what you did is in the past. And God holds your future. I know and I realize that, that when we're talking about our past and a lot of times we make mistakes with people or around people and people see and people know about our mistakes. And I know and I realize that people don't forget what you've done. But here's the deal. If you've asked forgiveness of your sin, guess who does forget? God does. And he doesn't hold your past against you. And as a matter of fact, if you confess your sins to him, he forgets. Your past. And who are you trying to impress more? People or God? The greatest act of worship that we can give God is to be the person that he's created us to be and give him glory for it. I'll say that again. The greatest act of worship that we could ever do is is to be the person that God created us to be and give him credit for it. Give him the glory for it. That's the greatest act of worship that we could give God. It's not how loud I sing. It's not how much I raise my hands. It's not how passionate I am. It has everything to do with being the man of God uh, that he's called me to be and giving him glory for it. Doing that, I can tell you guys, doing that will influence so many people. They'll say, well, because they can do that, I can do that too. Because they've got victory over this. Well, I, I can too. And you guys will be able to lead and you guys will be able to, to influence. And you guys will be able to help so many people because being because simply being the person that God has called you to be. My calling, my calling in the ministry, it wasn't an expected one. It wasn't something that I was even wanting. It wasn't something that I was looking forward to or planning for. My, my dad, even recently, he's told me several times that he always thought it would be my brother who was the one in ministry because as a kid, I was so 
painfully shy and and my brother he's he's loud and he talks a lot and and so my parents always thought well he's going to be the one in ministry because that's what people do they just talk a lot when they're in ministry but my calling let me tell you this my calling for my life i didn't even embrace that i didn't even take a hold of that until i was 21 years old and i was already married to Kristen. nobody else just to Kristen. and um my calling didn't start when I was in my first ministry position. My calling didn't start when I got my first paycheck in the ministry. My calling didn't start when I went to school for ministry. It didn't start when I preached my first sermon. My calling started when I believed that I had one. When I believed I had a calling, I, I one night... Um, we had a guest speaker at our, at our youth group, and, and Chris and I were just volunteers at this time. We weren't even youth pastors. We were just helping out. And uh, they had this guest speaker there one night, and he said, uh, he, at the end, he gave an altar call for people who felt called in ministry. Next thing you know, I'm standing at the front crying my eyes out for God. And Kristen was standing right there next to me, and we took this challenge together because that's what God has called us to do. Uh, I was 21 at the time, just a volunteer, just helping out in the youth group. Uh, later on, I grabbed my youth pastor and I said, God's called me into ministry. What do I need to do? So what did I do? He put me to work. I started setting up chairs. I started arranging the room. I, I, I cleaned toilets. I served in the kids' ministry. I helped in the junior high Sunday school class. I, I watched the babies in the nursery. I got as involved as I possibly could. I worked a full-time job. And then I came home. Chris and I ate dinner together a lot of most days of the week. And then we would go to the church almost every evening saying, what can we do? How can we help out? And, and, and that's just being available and serving and wanting to be in ministry. I, I was faithful and obedient to what God has had given me. And through all of that, it opened up to me to give me opportunities to begin teaching the junior high Sunday school class. And I was so, guys, I was so afraid to, to stand up or to even sit down in a group and teach a lesson. I told my youth pastor this. I told him one time, I said, what if I teach a kid the wrong thing and it, it messes up their life? <laughs> you know, I, I put so much pressure on myself to, to do this. And, 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 all just these opportunities of serving and learning and teaching. Um, and then, so we taught this junior high, we helped with the junior high Sunday school cast, class, and then we ended up teaching the class and then ended up leading the junior high life group. And then I got to preach a couple times and it was really, really bad. And I served on the worship team at our church there. And, and through all that, God opened doors for us to be in our youth ministry, first youth ministry position. And, and now through all of that, God has me here, and, and I have the greatest students and the greatest leaders on the planet. Can I get an amen? But believe me, I've doubted my calling so many times. There are days that I wake up and I doubt my calling, but I can look back and I can say, there's a banner, and there's a banner, and there's a banner, and there's a victory, and there's a win, and I can do this. The third banner tonight is something that uh, you must see yourself do. And, and it's not its not just the banner of salvation or the banner of the calling. This is the banner of the breakthrough. 
the banner of the breakthrough. And that banner says, I'm not going to be stuck in this addiction anymore. I'm not going to be stuck in this toxic relationships anymore. I'm not going to be stuck gossiping or bashing people anymore or making cuts on my body or being high or being addicted. I'm not going to be stuck feeling insecure. I'm not going to be stuck depressed or dealing with this sickness anymore or letting it destroy me with what people say about me. God is going to give me a breakthrough and I will raise that banner so that the rest of the world will see his story in me. You make that decision to to do that and the world watches. I struggled so bad. I struggled so bad with feeling insecure for so long, for so many years. Um, When I was in high school, uh, my brother... Like I said, that's two years older than I am. He had cancer. As a sophomore in high school, he got cancer. And, um, and he got tons of attention, and rightfully so. But me, like, I, I felt laughed out. I didn't feel loved, and I didn't feel... Um, well, we're at the same school, and, and, like, he got all of the attention, and, and I felt like nobody cared. I felt unimportant, and I, and I tried to find love and acceptance from relationships, from friendships. I tried to find it in partying and in drugs and alcohol and all that stuff that temporarily made me feel good. I didn't blame my brother for feeling this way. I didn't even, I didn't blame my parents for feeling this way because I knew they loved me. I didn't blame God. What this was, this was the enemy attacking me and trying to make me feel worthless. And you know what? He, he was winning. He was slowly destroying me, the person who I was. And finally, it took God working through one of my friends to speak into my life and to change my life forever. You guys, you have those opportunities to speak into your friends' lives. And you could have that opportunity to change someone's life forever. You never know the words that you say could affect someone's life. Since that banner of breakthrough, I've got that banner of breakthrough. I can wake up every single morning filled with the love of God. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm significant. I'm confident in the person that I am because I know that I'm saved and I know God's calling for my life. God gave me a breakthrough. And because he gave me my breakthrough, I can live in victory because I'm saved. I'm called and I can break through any obstacle that the enemy puts in front of me and I have a future ahead of me. Now now that I look back and I see where God has brought me even to this point, how could I ever doubt That God has a plan for me when he's been so good to me all along the way. You see, when when you plant that banner in your life, when you show the world what God has done to you to prove to the enemy what God's done in your life, as you look back on the battlefield littered with banners of victory, you can know that God is on your side. What's that problem that you walked in this place with tonight? What's that issue that you walked in here with tonight? What's that sin that you walked in here with tonight? What's that issue? I want you to to look 
at the victory banners in your life. God wrote your story before you were even born. And we're just getting started. You're just getting started. So get ready because God has something great for you. The last banner. I love it what it said. I said it a while ago at the end of that, those scriptures that we read. At the end of all of that battle, at the end of everything that went on, after turning to the Lord and remembering what he did, the Israelites said, thus far the Lord has helped us. Did you know that thus far the Lord has helped Emerge Youth Church? Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Did you know that last Wednesday we prayed a prayer and four days later we saw an answer to that prayer? I don't know if you guys realize that or not. Thus far, God has helped us. What's he going to do from here? What are we going to allow him to do from here? The very last flag you have to raise is a flag of declaration. It's a flag of declaration that happens tonight. That declaration happens tonight. That that happens when you look at your salvation banner and you look at your calling banner. When you look at your breakthrough banner and you make the decision to say to God, I declare these banners are real in my life. And, it, and it's your job to respond tonight. And, and tonight I want you to lift your flag of declaration and, and say, God, I'm going to declare tonight that I'm going to pioneer that I'm going to take new ground, that I'm going to continue to, to move forward, that I'm not the person that I used to be, and I'm going to be the person that you've called me to be. Maybe tonight you, you need to take that opportunity um, to, to accept that salvation banner. Others, you, you, need to be, you need to accept that calling banner tonight. God, show me your purpose and your plan for my life. More of you need to say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I need a breakthrough in my life. God says, remember what I did so you can remember what I can do. Then finally, you need to declare it, and you say, God, I'm going to pioneer, and I'm going to pursue you with all I have from this point on. I'm going to pray real fast. Jesus, tonight we have the opportunity to plant our banner, to raise our victory flag for you, God, to be the people that you have created us to be, to stop doubting, to stop fearing, to stop defining our life by the struggles of our past when you have already planted that flag of victory because you have already written our future for us. Tonight we won't step back and we won't hold back and we won't walk out the doors tonight the same as when we came in. Tonight... God, we are pursuing you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And tonight, we'll seek you until we can raise that victory banner in our lives tonight. In your name, we pray.